just get ready for the tick here for me to say NFTs. Um, oh, wait, we, we're going to introduce Cafe Booleans first. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, <laughs> welcome to Cafe Booleans. <laughs> uh, with uh, Susie, Costa, Alex, <laughs> I'm John. Yo, yo. And we're going to go straight into Costa's NFTs. Let's go. Um, so first bit of news is GameStop has launched an NFT marketplace. Um, so GameStop today, today being two weeks ago, uh, announced that it has launched its uh, NFT marketplace to allow gamers, creators, collectors, and other community members to buy, sell, and trade NFTs. The company's NFT marketplace is a non-custodial Ethereum Layer 2-based marketplace that enables parties to truly own their digital assets, which are represented and secured on the blockchain. Uh, the marketplace, which can be accessed at nft.gamestop.com, allows parties to connect their own digital asset wallets, such as the recently launched GameStop wallet. Um, and over time, the marketplace will expand functionality to encompass additional categories, such as Web3 gaming, more creators, and other uh, Ethereum environments. So it's a marketplace. It's kind of like uh, OpenSea, if anyone's um, used that. It's a, it's an marketplace for NFTs. Um, they they been moving quite heavily into uh, NFTs. I think as a way of expanding what they're doing. Obviously, retail uh, in the US retail games is going a bit down. So um, they wanted to expand and and yeah, it's it's cool. It's a cool little thing that they're they're doing. Uh, they did get in a lot of heat recently. Uh, so about a week after they released. <laughs> They Why is that, Costa? got into heat because they were selling um, an NFT that was based on a photo from 9-11 of someone falling off the building. What? And, yep. <laughs> um, as in, like, the, on their, the on their marketplace? It, was, it wasn't the actual photo. It was a recreation of the photo, but still in poor taste. Um, <laughs> what? And they had to, Fuck. <laughs> yeah, they had to pull the uh, the that, that NFT. Um, so yeah, they got in a bit of heat about a week after they launched it. But it's an interesting thing. They're they're partnering with Immutable here in Australia as well to get a lot of uh, the games supported by them onto the platform. So Gods Unchained, uh, Guild of Guardians, which is coming out, Planet Quest, Ember Sword, Illuvium, uh, and a bunch more like Habo. Green Park, a bunch of games basically that are like, you know, Web3. Um, and they've also partnered, which is another cool thing, with IMX uh, Immutable to create a, a grant program for builders who want to utilize NFT technology um, in their games. So they're, they're actually giving out $100 million uh, grant in grants to any projects essentially that are utilizing um, this uh, this technology. So AAA, it could be AAA studios or publishers looking to launch NFTs with their IP, can be game developers with launched games um, who are looking to you know em embed that kind of stuff. Um, it's literally anything, like anything that utilizes technology and utilizes their um, the, the underlying IMX immutable technology um, can, uh, can apply for this grant. But yeah, it's cool. Um, I think for people who like this stuff, they will like it. For people who don't like this stuff, they won't like it. Um, it, it it's interesting to see the 
<clears throat> the kind of blend between like a really traditional company of GameStop with this like new technology. Um, and yeah, from what I've heard, the team at GameStop is pretty good at what they do. Like they, as soon as like two, I think it was like early last year, they, they hired this really good team of people um, who were into Web3 and are really good like developers and designers to, to, to work on it. And this is their kind of first launch for it. But yeah, what's everyone's thoughts on it? Yeah, what it'd be interesting. Sorry, John, you go. Oh, I was just going to say uh, it'd be interesting to see how much connection there is between this and that whole GameStop, GameStocks, GameStonks thing mm. last year. Because uh, I know that the whole like shorting the GameSpot stock what isn't actually Web3, but I think it appealed to a similar, not the same audience, but let's say mutual audiences where there's a lot of people who are into uh, you know, crypto, uh, like financial investing, who then got into the whole like game stonks thing. Mm. So I guess that was already a good kind of foray for uh, GameStop to become known in the Web3 world. So mm -hmm. I suppose they realized that was a good way to, uh, yeah, become known. And then, oh, look, I, I can't speak on the 9-11 thing. I think that is very bad taste. I don't know yep. who said yes to that. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I guess that's more controversy to get into the news. So, mm. yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting because like the 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 reception has has for the most part been good from what I've seen, um, which is surprising because it's kind of like if you know Atari created some like which they did, they recently created a console like to try to come back into the industry. Everyone was just like. Well, this is dumb. Like you're 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 an old school player entering this you know this new space, like, and it just was immediately um, kind of disregarded. But in this instance, I think maybe because it is a big player still in the retail space, and and they've stepped into doing this in the in the Web three space. It's it's been pretty positive from what I've seen. What does the non custodial part of the marketplace mean? I do not know. Um, I wonder if that means but, something like, you know, they can like reject ownership of things like, like that 9-11 thing, like maybe they don't have, like, do they have to check everything that goes on or by saying non-custodial does it mean like we don't own it, like you can't sue well, us if it's According <laughs> garbage, to like Google, according to Google, non-custodial means not having custody of one's children after a divorce. All <laughs> <So>, oh, right. <laughs> okay. uh, but I... I, I did just find an article that's talking about uh, the difference between custodial and non-custodial wallets. Mm. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, I think I know what it is. I think it's basically um, the the type of wallet that you have in terms of, like, if you, if you sign up, you can sign up through providers that give you a wallet and then you can access it using an email or something. But what that means is that they own the, the private key um, of the, of the wallet so that you don't actually have control of your assets. Kind of like how when you sign up to League of Legends or something, you don't actually have, ac like you have access to your account, but ultimately that account is owned by um, Riot Games. Whereas in this instance, it would be like, you have uh, a wallet that you have the private key on there. So for example, you can get a hardware wallet, which I think we've spoken about in other episodes um, where 
any transaction that you do or anything that you have to do on on a, a certain website that's Web3, you press a button on this hardware uh, wallet to authenticate anything that you're doing and, and you actually own it. The downside is that if you lose that thing, then you're kind of screwed and you can't get access to, any, to your account yeah. or any assets that you do. So it's kind of like a, yeah, it, it's a good and a bad depending on how you look at it. Um, it reminds me of the story of the guy that had, you know, millions of dollars of Bitcoin on his uh, external hardware wallet and then he didn't yep. think Bitcoin was going anywhere. So at the time it was only worth, you know, less than $100. And so he chucked it out. When it hit like millions of dollars, he went down to the local dump and he was essentially just like diving through the dump to try and find this thing. Because <laughs> it, it's, it's like Costa said, it's just locked to that piece of hardware. <laughs> and it's lost, it's gone. It chucks out it. less than $100 as well. I've, I've definitely gone back for 20 cents or something like that. <laughs> you'd be yeah. the one, you'd pick it up. If it's, if it's like, if it's like a dollar, I think, you know, you see something on the ground, you pick it up. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Shiny. <laughs> it's shiny, it's gold. Uh, who knows, it might have Bitcoin on it. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, GameStop, classic. GameStop That's their business GameStop. model, selling uh, selling things that shouldn't be worth a lot of money for a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. So have you guys seen the uh, 9-11 NFT they made called Fooling Man? I'm, uh, I'm not going to Google that. <laughs> yeah. It, there's no denying what it is. I don't know if it was created by GameStop specifically, but it was created by a user and uploaded within, the, within a day of the marketplace going live. So someone who would have probably had knowledge of the marketplace. So... Mm. It's uh yeah, and apparently it was sold. Uh, was it twelve times <laughs> before it quickly got removed? Uh, game, yeah, GameStop <laughs> oh my God. removed it. Yeah, there's a yeah. beauty in that, like that itself. <laughs> like that's, you know, like, like if you read that, like a stenographer, that that chain of events, right? You go. Yeah. Like you're reading it as an alien species of what humanity is and you go, humanity suffers a traumatic event. Humanity develops this platform that a lot of them can't agree on. Someone makes artwork depicting the horrific event, gets sold 12 times. Yeah. Like there's just, there's a beauty to that. Like that just written, you know, it's like, yeah. But it's it's with anything really. I mean, any marketplace that launches always has some thing like eBay when it first launched. You know, people were selling all sorts of things on there, questionable things, until yeah. they kind of come out and impose these rules on it. That's just what people do. Like, yeah. people just do it <laughs> like if right. something new comes out, they shake the walls of it to find yeah. like the weak spot. Look at yeah. all these cheetos shaped like things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. I guess it helps us find the boundaries. <laughs> and we've just yeah, found one right. of them. Uh, yeah. 911 right. shaped <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, it does uh, make you wonder, like, if, if this piece of art had come out not as an NFT, not for money, would, would have had the same reaction? You know, would have people gone, oh, this is actually, like, you know, real sensitive piece of artwork? Is it just because it's come out on an NFT platform that it's like it looks like 
picking a yeah. controversial, sensitive subject for a qu- quick buck <laughs> that makes mm. it so distasteful. Yeah, good point. Well, I that- mean, you could you could have made it in your backyard and and then sold like ten pieces of it. Because br- that's sellers. yeah, that's like a like a whole topic in itself. That's something I've been talking about with someone recently, a few people recently actually, about what makes art art. Mm. And it's in my my definition of art is it's something that just evokes a strong feeling. Like it can be happiness, but it can also be disgust or horror or something like that. Like you can't kind of like close off what art is, but is art the depiction depiction of said horrific thing or is it the fact of horrific thing? Yeah, I mean, that reminds me of, uh, I don't have the story right here, but um, (laughs) I Googled man gets arrested for art and it's come up with like every piece of art ever. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I remember hearing about uh, this, this, it was like performance art in a museum uh, like decades ago where someone basically put, I think it was like three goldfish in like blenders or something and they had it like on a table and they basically invited people to come up and like press the blenders and blend the goldfish. Um, and eventually oh. someone did it um, and oh. the man ended like the artist ended up getting arrested but they were like trying to you know make a point is this art or can anything be art kind of thing and that's really he just wanted an excuse to kill or something yeah <laughs> yeah like wh- at what point does it become art um last mm. week i was in tassie and i went to mona which is like the m- museum there like and um the modern art museum and mm. there was this piece there that's uh, it was called a poo machine, right? And like what oh, it was cool. is exactly that. So this <laughs> artist had created this um, fake human stomach, right? So it had like all these chambers, and what they did is like so it just you know it was like this big kind of metal bars, and then hanging down were all these different chambers with different liquids in, and they said each of these chambers like is different parts of like the human digestive system. So they put like real food in one end of it and it goes through each of these tubes and it's digested and it takes like four hours or something to come out the other end as poo, right? And oh, they wow. show it once a day they feed it. So like I was there when they fed it <laughs> and watched them from the feed, feed it and it goes through. And like at what point is that art? Like is the, the, <laughs> yeah. the sculpture, no. like the, the, you know, the piece itself sitting there is that art? When no, you I feed love that it, they have to feed that, it like it, like at the zoo. It's like it's feeding time. Like a staff were walking around. Up. Hey, everyone! It's feeding time for cloaca. It's called cloaca. They <laughs> say so it's feeding oh time for gosh. cloaca. <laughs> Come cloaca. check it out. We're gonna feed it. It's like, definitely named that. Uh, yeah. yeah. What point uh, does that become the art? Like, I think mm. I think it's art because it, it's it's not the actual. No, I think all of it's art. Like you would say like mm. the human body's the part of that is art, but it's the fact that you're talking about it that has stuck with you. I mm. would say that's that's what makes it art. Um I'd say that like the whole process of it as well is uh is art. Um but I think because it had an impact on you that will influence how you do well, the fact that you brought it up means it's already yeah. influencing how you, you know, move on from that thing i think yeah i think it's that it's so open as an art is just so open and so subjective 
Yeah, yeah to anyone and everything. And I don't whose think job that is it to clean think- cloaca? <laughs> yeah, well, that's. <laughs> I, I don't think that someone is that like a lucky straws. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that means that all art is good because <laughs> like in the like about the goldfishes getting blended and you know yeah I mean mm. that that one to me is very clearly like unneeded unnecessary like violence uh, well, the nine yeah. eleven one I mean you could argue reasons for it um, cloaca yeah. sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Let's find it that. Evo- <laughs> and that's the thing. It, evo- it evo- like even that image or even the goldfish. It evoked something. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it evoked I, yeah, some emotion, it hatred, or do you know what I mean? Hatred or whatever it is that it evoked. It evoked some kind of emotion. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. you, could, you spitting you could, on the ground the would make me angry. But that's not all right. That's just you being yeah. gross. <laughs> I mean, you could do the same thing with a human up there as well, and it'd be horrible. Agreed. But I mean, I mean, you could call that art, but. I mean, Once that's not too different to, to what people did in the medieval times, but, <laughs> yeah. you know. Once it starts to blend into, like, you're breaking a law here or you're doing something completely unethical, then- But- Okay, I on, guess this sorry. depends how you feel about goldfish then. <laughs> true, true, because, again, ethics, you know- But how many things do we now look back on yeah. as art that someone got arrested for and is now- Okay, like you know, even even like like comedy, the fact that you couldn't swear on stage in the fifties, and you know, a lot of comedians had to go to jail or get sued millions of dollars for the fact for us to yeah. be able to drop an f bomb on this podcast, you know, um, that at the time was seen as gross. But that's you know, that's that's uh, yeah. that's the law versus ethics. You know what I mean? There's the one ethics is like yeah. open, but didn't this goldfish like guy get arrested? Isn't that uh, what you just I'm said pretty before? sure he did. Yeah, yeah. Did he break the law? That's the question. But well, yeah. that's true. Where, that's true. Whether he went to jail or anything. Uh, I mean, it is illegal to torture animals. Uh, mm, so I, I think this was like, I'm guessing, I'm guessing here. I think it was in the 70s. Um, it was like decades ago kind of thing. But um, This conversation I had when I brought that up, the um, what makes art, it was because there's a... I say a popular ice cream chain that's in Glenelg, and there was this art on the wall, and it was it wasn't gross or anything like that. It was just really uh, uninspiring. Like it was just like corporate art on a wall. Can and I, I was saying to the person, I was like, cool. this, uh, I'm just huh? imagining this like Shutterstock image, <laughs> just people smiling <laughs> with ice cream. What was it? Yeah, it was it was, but like it literally, like I get super into things and I get super distracted and all that kind of stuff. And this literally brought out nothing out of me. Like <laughs> like, um, and and I, I don't mean that in any kind of insulting way or anything like that it just literally brought like a blank piece of paper at least has promised this is said there was just nothing on this and then that made me go say to the person who i was with i was like to me that's bad art to me personally because then there'd be people who see that and go oh that's pretty cool but it's like you know like the example photos they put inside of photo frames you can buy and they're not bad photos they're just uninspired photos that's why I would go. Well, that's bad art because it didn't inspire you. It wouldn't well, not inspire you. It didn't. It didn't leave an impact on you. And then that led to a th- debate, which seems to have no answer of like what is art? Like what could you safely call art? Yeah, that's that's a heap's gonna be subjective, isn't it? Like everyone's yeah. gonna have yeah. a completely different answer to to what that is. I don't know. Is it mintable? Mm. Can you put it on the blockchain? Is it what? <laughs> it? That's the question. <laughs> What's the dumbest thing that's been minted? Besides uh, the yeah, besides the nine eleven, like 
Like has someone uh, like Susie? Susie mentioned <laughs> spitting on the ground before. Is is there that? Yeah, and someone bought yeah, it for forty five thousand dollars. Well, there's. I mean, there's all the you know people's tweets that got stolen, stolen, and then like screenshots of tweets that then yeah. got turned into <laughs> NFTs and stuff. I mean, I remember when I first went on OpenSea when I was first getting into it. Someone was basically just taking pictures of Pokemon cards and then putting them up. And I mean, you know, there's like thousands of Pokemon cards, so they had thousands up there. And I can tell you, it definitely wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Nintendo. It wasn't Wizards, Wizards of the Coast, or any of the organizations <laughs> that have anything to do with it. So, Even, uh, there was a huge uh, collection when I think when NFTs first got big, and it was called uh, Loot Loot something. I can't remember what it was, but basically, it was text of randomly generated um lists of like okay this list has five rocks and three swords and uh, two iron like, ore. Like it was drops. like it was like a loot drop <laughs> and it was a collection of maybe five thousand loot drops and uh they went for insane amounts yeah. of money like back then i haven't really looked at it i don't I was really gonna know what say, it was, do you know what was the rarest loot that you could get I have no idea, but it the was it was a whole collection. <laughs> yeah, here we go. A collection of text, the purple That's one. That's all it was. There was no like, uh, they hadn't made anything to you know to utilize that or anything. It was just purely, yeah. But see, some people could say, "Oh, that's art," or "That's." I know. was going to say that feels mm. like art to me. It's so weird. I can't explain it either. But like that evokes something out of me, and you know that's maybe why it's subjective. Like I don't know if it's like a a nostalgia thing of like creating like my first ever JavaScript thing to just generate. I did, I did the same thing, but in JavaScript, which is generating different arrays of stuff. And that's what mm. that triggered in me. So it's a, it's a personal trigger, you know, Did you pay $500 for a randomly generated list of loot. One, I don't have $500. We just discussed before <laughs> how I would pick up 20 cents. <laughs> Yeah, and by then, uh, yeah, it'll it'll be forty five grand. It's, it's um, interesting uh, l- looking into it and seeing you know some of the people who got loot and then went on to create like artwork of the loot because mm. like, like the loot that they owned because I guess it's that whole mm. ownership thing. If you own it, you have that kind of more personal connection mm-hmm. to it, and then you want to yeah, I guess express that a bit more. Yep. Humans are awesome. Yep. <laughs> fascinating. Humans are weird and awesome. Just fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. You should definitely Spe- check out Mona if you're down to Tasmania sometime soon. <laughs> and go see yeah. the big cloaca. You can see cloaca. The cloaca. Is that the one? We're, we're going to have to beep out huh? that word. You know that. <laughs> Why's that? Uh, cloaca is the uh, anus of a bird. <laughs> you can't really. <laughs> and other... Uh, Animals, <laughs> not mammals, apparently. <laughs> Funnily enough, not humans. <laughs> really, maybe I'll let you Google that like one yourself. One. <laughs> like, like, maybe it's because like cloaca only has like one system, whereas yeah, that, like- that's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> this is why people listen to Cafe Bullions. This is what you learn here. The more you know, it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, putting everything in one place, um, Unity's <laughs> merged with <laughs> another organization. Yeah, so this one's been an interesting one. There's been a lot of uh, talk about this, but Unity has merged with a company uh, 
called Iron Source, which some people know <laughs> as a company that uh, is good at uh, malware delivery, so delivering malware to computers. <laughs> so it announced uh, that it has entered into an agreement to merge with IronSource, harnessing the company's tools, platforms, technology, and talent to form an end-to-end platform that enables creators to more easily create, publish, run, monetize, and grow live games and RT3D content seamlessly. Um, there was a there was a tweet where basically someone was like, wait, what? Unity is merging with the company best known for its malware delivery system. So popular that it has its own entries in Virus Total, was blacklisted on Windows by Microsoft, and was used to spread fake Flash installers through the Equifax site. Um, so yeah, and and it's it's been a it's been a constant thing uh, with Unity where they've actually recently lost a lot of talent as well. And there was a few comments from uh, the CEO of Unity. Basically, yeah, he had a quite harsh opinion around like, if you don't monetize your game, if you can't find a way to monetize your game, then you're some of the, yeah. He he basically, Unity CEO apologized for calling some game developers some of the biggest effing idiots in an interview. So he he has, it is, yeah, yep, yep, yep. He said something about- yeah. I saw something pretty. Uh, it's, it's with that about the whole um, people who don't put um, microtransactions in games are the biggest idiots. Is that um, the top all the top games of this year? Like none of them basically have microtransactions in them. Like the top game being Elden Ring, um, Stray, like all these ones. There's no microtransaction. I think it's and then like and then it's the top selling ones like the most popular or something like that there's only three in the top 10 list as well so and that's the thing it's yeah let's see if i can find that i get it because you know they would like whatever microtransactions is huge but to, yeah to degrade to degrade your users like that it's it's a pretty poor move um and he's yeah i've been apologizing and all this kind of stuff but still it's a 4.4 billion dollar acquisition merge but a lot of people from what i've seen on twitter are not taking to it in the most positive way they are basically boycotting unity yeah wow um interesting i I was trying to read the wikipedia article for iron source and there's nothing on it about a controversy until you go into the talk discussion section and there's people going why isn't there anything here about the controversy? <laughs> yep. Has this page been edited? <laughs> yeah. It says here that the the one of the key things that they develop is called Install Core, uh, or they, at least they did, and it says it was an installation content distribution platform created by Iron Source, including an SDK for Windows and Mac. Uh, the program allowed those using it for distribution to include monetization by advertisements, charging for installation. Etc. and took pains to make its installation invisible to the user and to antivirus software. Uh, and it was flagged by, yeah, by product vendors, anti-malware product vendors and Windows Defender antivirus since 2015. So it, it, it's just a, like, I don't understand the, I get it from a monetization perspective, but this is from what we can see, there's like a company that makes products that are quite, um, yeah, 
against the user. Yeah, and so it's. I mean, surely Unity would have had a thousand other options of companies they could have merged with. To me, it's like yeah. I don't know. Mm. How, how does that kind of merger even happen? You know, <laughs> you don't you don't meet Maybe Iron Source at a game convention. Maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Has anyone here well, been approached also, by Iron Source? <laughs> I mean, Unity, uh, they merged with, or they, they acquired uh, Weta Digital. Like, yeah, that wasn't from, that long ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. So to, to acquire Weta and then now to go, yeah, I just don't get it. This is one um, of those things. Can we, I wish we could do a thing where we... Uh, Okay, we have this conversation now and then in like three months' time or six months' time when inevitably like this huge news article comes out, uh, we can like play this section back <laughs> and be like, yeah, we said <laughs> it. We said that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they, they specifically look like from this company, it specifically looks at monetization of mobile apps. So it looks like they're pushing way more into that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, just bizarre. To me maybe i can edit it in at the end it listed the top 10 games the ones that said uh where it says you're stupid to not include it and then it shows that all the games that came out this year that were popular didn't have microtransactions uh because <laughs> well, like, i thought it, it was really, really interesting basically pull out a whole model like like just say this is the only model of commercialization that we want to see like that, that just yeah. seems really limiting. Like, sure, that might be your favorite or the one that makes the most, but they're all making money or they wouldn't exist, right? Like, yeah. It just seems ridiculously yeah. limiting. Yeah. Well, shouldn't the focus be on making the product, like, really easy to use to the point where everyone wants to adopt it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, like, when you're, when you're competing at such a scale where it's there's so many people wanting to get into game development and use it as an avenue to, you know, start a business or create a product or uh, tell their story, you should be focusing on making that tool super easy to use for, you know, a variety of people across different um, walks of life and people who may not have even ever touched the game engine. Like, it should be super easy and super, you know, like, I feel like that that would be the focus, you know, if I, if, if I was in charge of Unity, like, that would be the focus just just make the the tool as easy to use like but i get it they've they've just maybe they're just focusing at the moment on purely um making yeah does uh, does this signal monetization easier that unity's maybe focusing on the mobile market then do they this is pure speculation mm-hmm. but do they see unreal has got a pretty good foothold on the console and pc market and so they go all right well where can we focus our energies i guess as from my understanding, people don't generally use Unreal for mobile games, and so possibly Unity's realized that that's where they're actually succeeding, and then, then I guess they're trying to Maybe. really focus, double down on that. And I mean, you know, ads are you know one of the biggest things on mobile games. So. Just doubling down on what they're good at. Yeah, probably trying to survive that way. I guess. Yeah, I mean, reading and, and what I mentioned before around Unity. Uh, getting rid of a lot of employees in july 1st of july 2022 uh the company reportedly uh laid off hundreds of staffers slightly more than 200 people and a lot of uh, employees so this is an article from vice a lot of employees were saying 
I've just been incredibly mad and stressed out. It's been very eyebrow raising so far. The firings are pretty questionable. Seems like they predominantly targeted a lot of junior devs and anyone whose manager was willing to throw under the bus. Two current Unity employees shared a copy of a memo to to Waypoint, the uh, people that originally published it. Um, that CEO, the CEO wrote in the company's Slack last night, stating that over the past few days, 263 employees across multiple organizations and 16 countries were notified that their jobs are being eliminated. The number is roughly 4% of the company's total employees, and it comes just weeks after the CEO told explicitly employees in an all-hands meeting that layoffs weren't coming. As uh, part of a continued planning process, where we regularly assess resourcing levels against our company priorities, said the company in a statement to Waypoint, we decided to realign some of our resources to better drive focus and support our long-term growth. This resulted in some hard decisions that impacted approximately 4% of all Unity workforce. We are grateful for the contributions of those leaving Unity and we are supporting them through this difficult transition. In the memo, the CEO said the company would expect 50 of those employees could be moved to another role within Unity. Yeah, well, okay, so it's internal restructure then. Yep, Pro- probably because they were merging. <laughs> mm, dang. But, yeah. <laughs> That's they were given, they all were I have to a say, single dang. Month's pay, <laughs> single month's pay of severance. Hmm. So I wonder if uh, Unreal Epic then sees this and they just gobble all those people up. <laughs> or, uh, you know, yeah. Yo-Yo Games. Yo-Yo Games, if you're listening, uh, go hire them for a Game Maker Studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's been that in the past, hasn't there? With um, studios that go bust and then other studios go, if you're looking for work, apply here. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. And it says Unity's been trying to expand into other things beyond video games. I mean, as all as Unreal is too. Um and they've been trying to get into getting technology contracts with the US military. So it seems like they're pushing into different directions to try to find other avenues. Yeah, and I mean if you know, to me it feels like if with their whole they're buying the thing to make microtransactions easier. Like it seems like real late in the game to to be doing it. So I'm thinking there's I don't know. The thing that made it made me think of was there was like a list of things that um PlayStation had well Sony I should say had um trademarked in preparation for and you know companies trademark stuff all the time and then don't do anything with it. It just stops other people kind of coming up with it and then that becomes a whole case. But they had trademarked a feature uh for the ps5 i think it was when the ps5 was coming out or something um that you could buy hints from them like (laughs) they watch you play god of war and they watch you for five minutes try and jump up a ledge and they go you're not only are you struggling with this 75 percent of other people are struggling with this now instead actually they probably do send that data to a ux team as well but they go hey you know they're all struggling with this you want to buy a hint basically i think it was you know like a What's his name? Clippy or whatever. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. So, so the, <laughs> yeah, play, the player pays for a hint. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is completely uh-huh. stupid because I it's was like, going to say, well, I, as a player, I would well, be like, well, this is just a badly designed game. Then, <laughs> but <laughs> how does how is that different from when you used to call Nintendo Hotline in the, back in the day? 
Oh man, because uh, the internet man. wasn't around where was you could say, just Google how to do it. Did I? Did I <laughs> but tell they you? They made money off. That. So, so yeah, because there wasn't a market. <laughs> so yeah, true. So, so back in the Nintendo sixty four days, uh, me and one of my best mates <laughs> were playing Kirby the Crystal Shards on sixty four. And uh, we had collected all but one of the crystal shards, which you needed to unlock the secret boss and the secret ending. Could not get it, could not figure it out. And so back then, internet existed, but it was not as prevalent as it is now. Um, he had to write a letter, a handwritten letter to Nintendo asking how we get this. And, and they sent back like a typed up letter that told us how to get that final crystal shard and it was like wow. regards this person at Nintendo and my mate still has the letter framed to this day because oh, it was just like amazing. one of the greatest things yeah it's so good that's cool that's so cool <laughs> how long did it take to get the response oh, I don't know like three weeks or something but <laughs> I don't remember but um, yeah no it was really cool and yeah and we finished the game then and I don't think we had to pay <laughs> so take that's that Sony awesome. <laughs> that's a postage stamp <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, right. that's the thing. It, the, the the tech never came out. Um, like, well, the the thing at least that they said they were going to do. So um, it does kind of have that. Like, like we do kind of have that on PS Five. Like, it you don't pay for it, yeah. but you can ask for hints. Like in your controller, if you get stuck, that like there is like a data, and then you go there, and it's like, do you need hints? And it's got like tips and that, and it will tell you. Like, yeah, right. it does give you little clues. So it's it's there, like yeah. it's just not monetized, like you were saying, is yeah. But they could easily yeah. check that in, like yeah. Might be credit card here for hints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like that, with all the share that, stuff, like you know, record here and share your. Oh man, clip mm. and that'd, that. that'd be yeah. the worst when your credit cards, like, because it's attached to your uh, PS Online account. So like you're about to rage quit or whatever. It's just like a single button, single button to pay for a hint. It's like your Amazon one click yeah. thing. That'd be the worst. That, <laughs> you definitely get into like a dark <laughs> design pattern where you're actively making the game harder and not giving them clues yeah. just to monetize it, which <laughs> is really it. bad. That's so bad. Yeah. But yeah, so my point of bringing that up was like, like obviously like it didn't go through um, and, you know, because they have the feature, but you don't have to pay for it, um, it sounds like. Um, but that was... That was always a, like a, a a microtransaction that one we didn't see coming and two resolved itself and we didn't know about. So when like a story like this comes out where they say they're launching, they're merging with this company to make microtransactions easier, my my, my brain goes, what do they know behind the scenes? Yeah. Like um, a guest we talked to that will be coming out in like a month mentioned. Uh, Basically, that the technology to something that is used now was developed seven years ago and was just under under wraps. Um, we'll let him explain it uh, when when that episode comes out. But that's a that's a big thing with these companies. They know they kind of know what they're all at least doing, or things leak to them and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I just looked up, but Unity also acquired a company called Parsec. Last year, does anyone know Parsec? Don't they build like mm, hyperdrives for traveling at light light speed or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's um <clears throat> something like that. It's uh <laughs> remote desktoping basically, where you can uh, play games or use desktop applications from anywhere. It's kind of like um, Team Viewer, Xbox Game Pass. Oh, right. yeah, no, even better, <laughs> essentially. 
<laughs> what did you uh, say, GameCube? No, Cube? Team View. <laughs> the GameCube. Oh, That's Team right, Viewer. Yeah. <laughs> like no, Team View. Team Viewer, not for playing games. <laughs> yeah, basically like Xbox Team Viewer, game but it's, I think class is better, yeah. Super optimized for um, for games. So, yeah, quite interesting. It's used by Blizzard and a bunch of other companies as well. So maybe there's some key kind of pieces, you know, getting, like, building towards something. Like, you know, there's you've got Weta, you've got Parsec, you've got this kind of company that's really good at distribution. Like, maybe, you know, just like Alex said, you don't really know the, the full picture yeah. of where they're heading towards. Totally. Ooh. Yeah. Build the hype for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I realize I've just taken the side of a company that just laid off a bunch of people and the internet's pretty much in agreement that they haven't done a good thing here and <laughs> I choose to take their side. <laughs> have, have Unity done a good thing? Cast your vote now. <laughs> that, that's our question for this week. <laughs> yeah. We'll discuss the results. That's a Big Brother episode. SMS <laughs> poll. Oh, man. Um, speak, yeah. Speaking of mergers, Alex, you were mm. going to tell us about a, not a merger, but an acquisition. What's that? An acquisition, yeah. yes. Um, just like the first story, uh, this was news when we planned these two weeks ago. Um, but it's still pretty good to get a recap of, especially with the rate that news travels. Um, Nintendo purchased Tokyo-based, Tokyo, what did I just say? Did I say Tokyo? Tokyo. I don't know what I just said. Let me let me restart that. I did say Tokyo. I am very tired. <laughs> Nintendo purchased Tokyo-based CG animation studio Dynamo Pictures and will rename it Nintendo Pictures. Uh, so they're going to be focusing on CG development of original IP, which is could be anything. It could be Zelda. It could be Mario. It could be... It can't be Donkey Kong. <laughs> That's not Nintendo-owned. Although I think they own the IP now. But it wasn't theirs. No, they anyway. Don't, don't get they own it now, Nintendo, isn't it? They always owned it. They always it was, did it. they, they always just own, didn't it? own the rights it just, to? I thought Nintendo, Rare, to, Rare just to developed DK64. the game. Oh, right. Yeah, or yeah, country yeah, yeah. or anything like that. I thought there was some kind of thing in there about retaining rights, or oh, maybe it was Nintendo who retained the right. My, or, I don't know. Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft comes from the original Jumpman games back in the day. Yeah, Microsoft bought. Rare thinking they owned Donkey Kong. <laughs> that's <laughs> what it was. Oh, wow. oh no. Yeah. <laughs> that's the worst. That's that's what it was. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's like buying sorry. like sorry. a Macca's <laughs> meal and finding out it doesn't have like the one bit of food that you wanted. <laughs> you got Banjo and Kazooie, but no Donkey Kong. <laughs> Come on. It's kind of yeah, like Do Donkey something Kong. with it, you cowards. It's uh, <laughs> sort of shaped like Donkey Kong. It's just. It's better <laughs> than Donkey Kong. It's better. It's Bear Bird Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyone who says donkey kong is better than banjo kazooie can meet me at the playground <laughs> at the back of the school Mortal at Kombat's a very good game <laughs> donkey kong to this game <laughs> that's what i was thinking of <laughs> anyway back to the news um, so nintendo nintendo will purchase 100 of the outstanding shares and from october 3rd 2022 dynamo pictures will be known as nintendo pictures um Previously, Nintendo's worked with Dynamo on Pikmin Shorts in 2020, which was three 10-minute long uh, shorts with the Pikmin IP, um, similar to like Disney Shorts. Um, and there's a bunch of stuff that I've, I've got a list here of a bunch of things that um, Dynamo have worked on. Um, again, it's Japanese-based, so uh, it's very it's, it's not 
they haven't worked on like popular mainstream things. Probably the most mainstream thing they've worked on is Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. Um, and one of the they've done some work. Where did hey? I see one of the Evangelion movies? Evangelion, and um, uh, where was it did, as well? They did the Final Fantasy fifteen. Final Fantasy. That's the one I was thinking of as well. Um, yeah, so they're going to be working on that. And the last thing that I thought was super interesting about the purchase, it was purchased for 34.5 million yen, which is only 365,000 Australian dollars, which is kind of small, I would have thought, for a for a studio. Um, yeah. Because games cost more than that to make. Like even indie games can cost, some indie games can cost more than- It's like not even a house. It's not even it. half a million- <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. Well, that's cheaper US, than a house, a house in Australia. Yeah. But still, yeah. No, I read that too, and I was like, "Oh man, that's tiny." I I don't know. Is that tiny, or is that just because we're so used to all the news recently of like you know thirty billion dollar acquisitions and stuff? I can't actually well, remember I mean, what's normal anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I would say. I mean, I would say it's small. Um, uh, considering who Nintendo is, yeah. Um, and what they could purchase, there would have to be a reason why they've chosen this. This company again, they're Japanese based, so was Nintendo. Um, the, they've worked with them previously on, you know, a thing. Um, That's again, it doesn't say a lot, but USD. Wow. Yeah, it's only a quarter of a million US, which wow. again is like we'll we'll buy you a unit in Adelaide. Um, yeah. You can get a studio. So, uh, but given the year that a lot of these things came out, that um, uh. Dynamo was working on, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe they're not doing so well. Um, but whatever the case is, um, yeah, they've purchased them, and they're going to be doing original IP. We, we say that, but in but in actual fact, you like, you, you know, you've seen how little, you, like, you can see how little CG companies and animation studios that don't work on their own products, you know, or are like work for hire make like people that work in those kind of businesses they don't they don't really you know get paid very well and the working conditions aren't the best so maybe the company just isn't worth as much when it doesn't have its own but, ip and it's or, kind of a work for or if actually yeah. they retain their employees and stuff like that then all that's doing it, is it just se- securing them work essentially so maybe the it's uh, like a it's like an just aqua a hire cherry on top to an already good yeah, deal. Yeah, it's like an aqua hire where they acquire the company just to hire the team, essentially. Yeah. But wouldn't you put the cash value rather than saying they've bought a cash value for a cash value? If you're buying a studio, aren't you just buying what that studio is is worth more than money? Like, for example, if uh, like, okay, would you off the top of your head, not not knowing what Rising Sun is worth? Yeah. Would you put Rising Sun worth more than a quarter of a million dollars? Yeah. Based off of one, the the IP, the IP they've worked with in the past, um, uh, to the skill that exists within that thing, wouldn't it be worth more than a quarter of a million? Probably, yeah. but they also have like maybe they have other things that you don't know, like tools and software that they've like you know proprietary software and all this kind of stuff. You, I mean, you don't really know. Like this company might not have that. This might purely be. Um, like they're acquiring it because they want the talent and all essentially they're doing is paying the owners of the company to say, yep, here you go. You can have all this team and 
will make a profit. Mm. Also, it's it's worth noting that what they've actually done is they've purchased the outstanding shares. Um, mm. So yeah, so it's not uh, it's not a matter of. I guess what the company's theoretically worth, as in like, um, you think they you know, already have uh, well, like, a lot of the shares? Uh, well, there's that they, they could have had that, um, but also, yeah. like, they can't really. I guess they wouldn't have a lot of grounds to be like, uh, oh, well, you know what? Sony offered us, uh, you know, sixty million yen um, because if if they've bought shares it means they're a publicly trading company so they go well no you're actually worth this much we're paying this much and if if and if sony's not interested or whoever then they've got no choice but to sell wouldn't that be right costa i mean are they, are they a publicly traded company or are they a private company i'm not sure uh as in well, Nintendo how does that a public company no 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 so as in to- well Dynamo has they've they've purchased the outstanding shares, so they have have shares that you can trade in. Doesn't that mean you have private, to be pri- private companies have shares as well? Oh, okay. They like ownership share. Yeah, you can issue shares and and yeah. Well, that's just- the thing. It says it didn't count. It's a hundred percent of the shares, not including the um, ownership shares. I think. Okay. Yeah. In, in that case, it might have been a publicly traded company. Yeah. I mean, I could just Google. <laughs> we could just check. Where, anyway, where's our fact check? Is that we can speculate or we can where, Google? Where, where, yeah, where's yeah, Spud yeah. the cat? Spud's our fact checker. Let's bring it back to. We'll bring it back to games, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it is a games company. What the question I wanted to ask you all is: What could you know? Just a basic question. What What would you want to see them do with it, and what could you see them them doing with this? Like, for example, the 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 cliche thing is you know a Zelda series or something like that, but like. Personally, I think that would be terrible. Um, do what do you think? Well, I just could wanted to throw in there, I guess, tying this in because I'm reading another article. That's uh, other things happening with Nintendo at the moment. Is last year they opened their uh, Super Nintendo World theme park in Japan, I think it was, um, which was mm-hmm. open late due to pandemic, and they're opening them in the US as well. But that's still a little well off. Um, they're also yeah, they've been working on a number of things. So this is probably, you know, similar to Unity, different story, but this is probably part of a much larger strategic kind of direction they're going where they're expanding beyond it's a very games. good point. Uh, what would you like? It could be like in in world, like in the, su- in, the, in the Super Nintendo world, it could just be like the displays. Yeah, well, that's it. You never know what where they'll be putting them. So, yeah. I would like to see them, you know, <laughs> ideally. Uh, do you remember, like, it still happens, but, like, now that graphics are pretty good in games, it happens less. But the full motion video cutscenes you'd get in older games where you'd have, like, real choppy, you know, PS2 era graphics and then it would switch to the cutscene and it's, like, movie level. Like Final Fantasy. Yeah, all the Final <laughs> Fantasies. Yeah. Uh, the, the F-Zero game on GameCube, mm. F-Zero GX, had that. And, I mean, to this day, I like, the character building and the world building that was just in those tiny cutscenes mm. were amazing. That was done by Sega. Mm. Um, I would love to see more of that because there's, like, a, there's a realism and there's an aspect of storytelling that you can still get with those, mm. I think. That is harder to get mm. with in game. So, yeah, Are you talking about the ones where like, uh, like the effects and the skin looks like leather, <laughs> yeah. like it's like really thick. 
Oh, well, I mean, if you if it's like one of the anime-based graphics ones, yeah, because everyone's got perfect skin and <laughs> giant hair or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I, don't, I don't know. We don't really need it now, but I'm just thinking, you know, about different areas you could use a company like this is by pumping out cutscenes <laughs> for games. Yeah. yeah. Was there it? was a charm in that, wasn't that, of like real blocky graphics and then it's this like super fleshed out yeah and and one thing i loved is uh if you go back to like ps1 days you look at like final fantasy 7 and stuff where they had those cutscenes running as the background while your little blocky characters are like running around (laughs) and like i think there was a real charm to that as well i don't know maybe it's just nostalgia for me but um it was this crazy stuff happening around you and then you're just this little weird cartoon character (laughs) <laughs> all right how about you guys what would you like to see mm. i'm I'm kind of with you on that uh with the cutscene. like what i was going to say was uh from smash brothers super smash brothers brawl they had the subspace emissary mm. um single player mode which was basically you would run through uh maps and that kind of stuff but then they would have these really cool cutscenes where it was like a lot of story building and a lot of a lot of that, basically. Um, so, yeah, if they could take that kind of style and even make a movie, like a Smash Brothers movie or something like that, like that would be really cool. And it doesn't have to be super, you know, 3D looking, but you know, just just a way to kind of expand the story or add a level of depth to, like, these games, which are very typically just mechanics-based, you yeah. know? So to add narrative and add story to them, like, that, that that's what I really loved about that subspace of misery. Um yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, it's interesting playing. I'm playing uh, Kirby. Was it Forgotten Lands at the moment on Switch? Um, and there's like they've got the full motion video cutscenes, even though the in-game yeah. graphics are pretty good. But they have like this whole movie theater that you can unlock where you watch all those cutscenes. And I think Nintendo in particular still has this appreciation for those kind of cutscenes, and like you unlock them. And I know like even the Tekken games have that kind of thing as well. So it's it is like a it's almost its own art form. Mm. Yeah. And like with the virtual production, like there's how much you can do in engine, like for a film. Yeah. Like it's mm. so close, right? Like kinda is probably the next step for games and film, like, to get into that space and to be using that stuff. Yeah, and get Andy yeah, Circus to come and there. do some Murray. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that would be so good. <laughs> like a super realistic Mario and super yeah, realistic Donkey Kong. Yeah, that would be like real creepy. Yeah. <laughs> With a deep yeah. South African accent. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's got to be Chris Pratt and uh, what's his name? Seth Rogen. <laughs> Is is Danny DeVito in that movie? For some reason, I have a feeling Danny mm. DeVito is in that movie. No, people wanted Danny DeVito <laughs> for always sunny one of the characters. <laughs> it's always sunny in Mushroom sunny Kingdom. In. Yeah, Mushroom yeah. Kingdom. I, I think they wanted him for Toad or something like that. <laughs> they should definitely get him. Oh, they yeah. wanted him as oh, Mario. Man. Right. That's what oh, I watched him. the movie Twins uh, again recently, which is so <laughs> weird watching. How, how Danny DeVito movie. somehow somehow is like this sex god and he's just like pulling all these women. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah. <laughs> Triplets has been in limbo forever. Is it? Like that's legit. Yeah. Uh, Arnie's pitched it to um, the triplet who would have been in that movie, which is Eddie Murphy 
for like years. And I think Eddie Murphy <laughs> yeah, was on board, that. but I think it's just in production limbo. <laughs> I, I like to believe that it's like Eddie Murphy just keeps saying no. And Arnie's just like, no, we're not going to make it until you say yes. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so good. So good. Yeah. Um, well, I, I can't. I'm not. I'm not the uh, the Segway king. That's you, John. Segwayologist. <laughs> I trained very hard for this, and I'm now talking to buy time while I think of a Segway. So, um, actually, you know what's interesting? Because yeah, you said uh, three hundred sixty-five thousand dollars AUD is not much. That is not much compared mm. to the four million dollars that Screen Australia has announced Ooh. for thirty-one games through the games expansion fund. <laughs> Yeah, well, thankfully, yeah. Alex... That clap isn't for the expansion fund, it's for you, John. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Fortunately, Alex has all this written down, so I'm quickly, like, scanning for segues. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> no, I'm... And in, in also, just congrats to the, uh, to the recipients of that. So, yeah, Screen Australia announces $4 million for 31 games uh, through the Games Expansion Pack Fund. Um, it's always nice when they name these funds after something in games. Um, even though expansion packs haven't been a thing for ever. Yeah, I was about to say it's like <laughs> ten years they'll they'll use DLC. Yeah, 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 exactly. In their defense, yeah. DLC has bad connotations, so I think expansion pack yeah, is a slightly nicer. Yeah. Um so yeah. Uh of the thirty one recipients, there's a few that are from South Australia. Um, one being Paper Cactus Games, um, who we've had on the podcast before with their game Fox and Shadow, which uh, John edit this out if I'm not allowed to mention it. Yes, I'm to say, yes, on. I'm doing the audio for it, music and audio. So yeah, we're pretty thankful yeah, to Screen Australia for that, and uh, we actually, I'm gonna have to <laughs> check if I can say this. I might edit it out. Um, but yeah, we had a, a Zoom chat with someone from Screen Australia the other day. So. Um, I found, yeah, we found that already Screen Australia have been uh, very helpful to us. So even though it's like just happened, so they they do seem very actively interested in actually making this a helpful thing for the games industry um, and not just kind of a throwaway grant just to say that they're doing it, if you know what I mean. So uh, that's that's really yeah, good. Yeah, that, that would be awesome. Yeah. And, you know, possibly we might get uh, one of them on the show sometime as well, so. But yeah. Anyway, back to you, Alex. Great. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, John. (laughs) Um, So yeah. So uh, also from South Australia are Monomyth Games. Um, They have a game in there called Time Savers. Um, I couldn't recognize any other South Australian developers uh, on the list of the thirty-one that were announced. Um, So I apologize um, if you're on there and I didn't mention you. But shout out to those two SA. Companies, Monomyth Games and Paper Cactus Games. Um, other ones include uh, uh, Bits and Bops from New South Wales, Boss Words from Victoria, Earthlingo from Western Australia, Enchantress from Victoria, Fox and Shadow from South Australia, Future Folklore from Victoria, Leonardo's Moonship from Tasmania, Moonlight in Garland, Victoria, Servonauts in Queensland, and Totem Teller in Victoria. Uh, Screen Australia's head of online, Lee Namo, said, We were blown away by the number of outstanding applications which have demonstrated the wealth of talented creatives and original ideas that are coming out of the Australian game sector. 
We're excited to be back in this space and supporting Australian developers to continue to create distinctive games that find traction here and around the world and help strengthen the local workforce. These games are artistic, educational, inspiring, and fun projects, and we're pleased to have been able to support even more projects than we anticipated. It's fantastic to have such a wide mix from all around the country. Uh, and just a summary of what the games expansion pack is, it's targeted at emerging or small to medium independent game studios, um, and they provide direct funding for original games with budgets below $500,000, and it's going to reopen for applications in September 2022. I think we spoke about this when they first announced it, didn't we, about that they were doing yeah, this. We did. And we were... Yeah. We had questions about it. We were saying, like, what is this? What is it? Ah, man, How do you define it? Yeah. I think we were, we were, yeah, we were, we were concerned about was... the cost. Like, you had to have spent a lot to be eligible. Mm. I think it was, just, was that this one? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't know everything about it, but from recent conversations, the kind of vibe I'm getting is what they're aiming for is to find games that are sh- Basically show, you know, if, if you've already got a prototype or something like that, fantastic. That's the kind of thing they're after to show that it's like mm. already underway and then this funding is to help take that game to completion and to release mm. Mm. Um, rather than just an initial cash injection, if that makes sense. So Yeah. yeah. Um, which, is, which is good because other funding, things that have happened, there's been... Uh, uh, the comments afterwards is that um, like there's not a lot of no hey wait what is it not that there's not a lot of support but like there hasn't been a lot of follow through with those games so it sounds like these ones are like where the money's going um, and how they're setting it up it's to set them up to use the money and um, get the games out I love I love the like breadth of games and the different um genres that they're all from like you've got just yeah like the first one on there um uh oh no not the first one it was one i saw around it was like a dating simulator <laughs> the dungeon one uh matchmaker dungeon yeah. heart defend the defend the dungeon date the monsters i was like that's cool as if like it's cool to see that a, like a government body has funded a game like that. Like yeah. that shows that they're yeah. in tune with and understand like even these really not not new but semi-new um, genres that are uh, maybe, yeah, like they're, they're definitely commercially viable but they're just to someone who may not know games, like they wouldn't know that that would be a, a genre that would be quite yeah, popular. Yeah, that's right. And, and from my understanding, the uh, the person I was talking to and the department they're in is actually fairly new. Um, and they so this person came from a background of video game development themselves. Um, they've worked in a several that's studios uh, and also they're around the tabletop scene as well. So they're very aware of kind of what's out there and brought that with them. Mm. Uh, it's good because it's not like a it's not like a like a legacy government employee who's been handed this to like manage it and then doesn't really like understand the the intricacies of the you know of the environment yeah yeah, yeah. that's exactly right um and um, one thing they were saying which i found interesting is that um so the this uh these grants you know are for getting games completed and, you know, hopefully successful and hopefully that brings, uh, I guess, back profit. Um, 
but they recognize that not not all games may succeed financially let's say um and that's not necessarily like the end goal the end goal is to kind of create uh give give people like good experience and create good studios and stuff like that for the longer term uh game development industry and then i guess the longer term you know economic gains that come with that it's pretty mm. cool, like, that the Shark Jump game, like, that Matt Treviani's game has that Kevin Pankin composer, John. Oh, is he on it? Oh, man. Yeah. Kevin Pankin. <laughs> he's uh, he's done heaps of anime stuff, and he was yeah. he worked on one of those Star Wars Legends episodes. He did one of those Star episodes. Wars Legends. Yeah. yeah. I've met him very briefly on a Zoom call once. Um, but, man, go check out his uh, Twitter or Instagram if you do. He he makes really good food as well and he posts pictures of it. <laughs> He's a, cool. <laughs> one of those crazy people that's just insane. I think we heard about <laughs> We had heard about this pro I had heard about this project actually, but like Matt had spoken about it to us I think after we had our call, but he was kind of like it's on the wraps and like but he was like it's like a really great team of people working mm. on it. Mm. Well, there, um, sorry, that that was a South Australian, another South Australian. Yeah, that was another South Australian. But 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 I mean, he uh, Matt's the lead designer. I mean, I don't know if if everyone else on that team is from Adelaide, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, is that musician you were talking about? And no, I don't think he's Kevin, Kevin Penkin. I think he's from Sydney, but he moved over to Japan. Uh, from my understanding, he worked with uh, Nobuo Umatsu for a little bit. Uh, who is the Final oh. Fantasy composer? According to Wikipedia, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know the story there, but um, yeah, he's. <laughs> it's funny. I was. He's one of those guys where I was talking to, you know, like another Australian composer who also lectures, um, and he's saying, you know, people come into his classes, and he goes, "All right, so you know, why are you here? What what kind of stuff you want to do?" And they always say they want they want to make stuff either like Chris Larkin <laughs> for Hollow Knight <laughs> or like or Kevin Penkin for like any of the anime that he's worked on. <laughs> so. <laughs> so cool. But um yeah, so yeah, it'd be cool to track the development of these um of these games. Definitely try and get as many people as we can on the podcast mm. and And yeah, and if you're interested, September the next fund, right? Yeah, the September twenty twenty two, the next applications uh are open. Um so yeah, it'd be cool to see more more South Australian developers get on that list. Cool. Um, I can't I can't segue into my own article. When do you guys have to do it? Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, well, who knows? Some of these games might end up in the oh, game yeah. hall of fame. Hey, well, like yeah, uh, <laughs> the game hall in hall fame. Hall of game. <laughs> oh, that is a missed opportunity there. <laughs> What uh, didn't we, oh, we're really talking about? Is. Untitled Goose Game got uh, was it in uh, what's it called? <laughs> okay, yeah, I yeah, my, my brain's like Momo. <laughs> That's something completely different. <laughs> um, That's that thing with the face in the it? cloaca. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Anyway, Momo face. <laughs> all that aside, <laughs> yes, Alex. Uh, yeah, there's uh, the World Video Game Hall of Fame. At a museum, I think it's either one museum or a network of museums called The Strong uh, over in the US. It started as a co- just a collection of toys and things like that from, I think it was Martha Strong. Um, I don't have her name in front of me. Um, anyway, a big series of museums now 
have opened up their World Video Game Hall of Fame. Um, just opened up with the first four inductees. And those inductees are Miss Pac-Man, Dance Dance Revolution, uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, and Sid Meier's Sid Civilization. Uh, and they say uh, they chose these four iconic games, or they uh, being them in conversation with several journalists and other industry professionals chose these four games uh, because they feel that they've influenced popular culture in the video game industry. Um, and just a snapshot of why they chose each of these games. Uh, Miss Pac-Man, uh, cap- capitalizing on the success of the iconic Pac-Man arcade game, Midway launched Miss Pac-Man back in 1981. Uh, this sequel featured more sophisticated mazes, smarter opponents, new challenges. It also reimagined the title character as female to acknowledge the girls. And she has a boat. She does have a bow and eyelashes. That's how you know, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> it also reimagined the, uh, yeah, the title character is female to acknowledge the girls and women who love playing the first game. Um, Dance Dance Revolution took Japanese arcades by storm in 1998, uh, challenging players to use their balance and dexterity to step to the beat of popular music. Uh, fast-paced games spread quickly to arcades across the world and Konami sp- spun out a home version on Sony PlayStation the following year. Um, and I can tell you, I played DDR at uh, Holy Moly the other night and man, that game is hard if you're not good. <laughs> uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time uh, was released on the Nintendo 64 in 98. Uh, it defined what a 3D action video game could be, influencing countless games that have followed. And I'm sure everyone listening has some idea of Ocarina of Time or has been influenced in some way by it, whether they recognize it or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah. I mean, like Alex, like we've talked about several times, uh, they keep showing it at speedrun events all the time. It's one of the biggest games for speedrunning. So much goes into yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Sid Meier's Civilization became one of the most influential simulation and strategy games of all time after its release in 1991. Uh, just skipping forward a bit. Uh, with more than 50 million units sold, the popularity of Civilization series disproves the common sorry disproves the common perception that it is always more fun to destroy than to create. So I guess they're playing their game in a creation way rather than attacking all their enemies. <laughs> um, yeah, not the Gandhi. Gets yeah, the, the Gandhi. I love that. For, for our audience who hasn't heard that, uh, there's a glitch in one of the Civ games where was it their uh, their pacifist level or something like that? It's got like yeah. an integer, and uh, um, there was this glitch where Gandhi's started at one or zero, and if you did something to piss him off it went to negative one, which then went back to 255. It was the aggression level. That's the one. So then he became yeah, the most aggressive yeah, yeah. opponent in the game and would start nu- nuking everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. But yeah, so the, these four have been recognized as, uh, yeah, I guess historic and influential. Um, and I personally agree with what they said. So um, I don't know yeah. how you guys feel about this, if you've played these games or have other ideas of games that maybe could go in there. Um, yeah, well, they're saying class of 2022, so I would definitely hope class of 2023 has, um, the first Sims. There's like, Mm. there isn't a person who, like, even people who 
aren't gamers, right? Like, like those games, like everyone knows what those those games mentioned are. But you know, people I talk to, who, you know, ended up in a business role and didn't play games growing up or anything, they all played The Sims and they still now play Sims Four or yep. something like that. Yeah. So I would expect to see Class Twenty Twenty Three have cool uh, on The Sims. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, thank you. The other two, the other two I'd add is Wii Sports <laughs> and. Yep. I would I would also add World of Warcraft. Oh, yep. yep. Into those. Mm. Yeah. I feel like they've both shaped the genre that they're in. Mm. Like Wii Sports ended up having so many more motion games like that was the entry point for yeah. those kind of games and probably even I would say some of the VR stuff that's happening now. Um and and, and obviously World of Warcraft is still yeah, going as mm. a game. So. Um, to have enjoyed that long and that it's influenced so many MMOs, I think. Like everything uses WoW as yeah. the template for yeah. an MMO. And even the MMOs that mm. talk Those about how things. they are like WoW classic. WoW killer. Yeah, WoW, the they're, WoW killer. Yeah, that's know, right. They're either like killing WoW or they're like the original WoW that you can't play anymore or... Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's worth noting that some of the other finalists uh, that didn't quite make it but were close were Assassin's Creed, uh, Candy Crush Saga, mm. Minesweeper, mm-hmm. NBA Jam, Par Rapper the Rapper, oh, love NBA uh, Resident ah. Evil, Rogue, which I've never heard of, and Words with Friends, which I thought was Wordle at first, but mm. it's not Wordle. It's a different game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was actually, you know what, it, it's, yeah, I agree with NBA Jam. I was, that's one I was thinking of when um when you were asking what else after The Sims, I was thinking NBA Jam. Minesweeper, I don't agree with. Uh, words of Friends, uh, I don't know. Minesweeper, I do not agree with because most people don't know how to play that game. Also, it comes <laughs> Everyone yeah, played true. it though. What? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah that's also, right. it came pre installed on PC, so I feel like it should be described. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, I, if you if you're gonna do that, I would say uh, it would be the space pinball before Minesweeper. <laughs> oh, I love space good. pinball. How good yeah, is that? right. What about what about you, John? What do you reckon should have oh. made the list? And Susie. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty happy with that. Uh, <laughs> I th- I think you guys have captured it to be honest. Um th- mm-hmm. there's there's nothing else Sims. that I can see here. Uh yeah, Sims actually. I think Sims is a really good one and it, that should be there because that was probably one of the first big simulation ones as well. I mean, apart you had Flight Simulator but mm. Yeah, that and then before that you had um Sim City. Yeah. But the yeah, the, the Sims is is a, like there's so many videos on like the making of and why it was made, but like so many things about that game was a like you know in a in a in an alternate reality that game still came out, but it was inspired by a different thing. But the a set certain things had, like any game had to happen, literally down to the creator Will Wright's house burning down and him having to buy everything again to make that game. E, uh, was it EA or Maxis? No, Maxis didn't want that game. Yeah, well. Like they were like, no one's gonna play this game. Like, just sums it up. I think um, on top of that as well, like you got Age of Empires, but oh, yeah. that's kind of Civ, but it's different. It's it's real it's real time strategy. Where I'm pretty sure Civ is 
you'd class that as turn-based strategy. Yes. Yeah, um, or you'd put the Command and Conquer games in there. I'd put one of I'd, Starcraft. Starcraft, where they're not um, turn-based, they're real-time strategy. You know, one thing I really like about the um, Age of Empires games is that even though they're like RTS war games, if you like. When you're not fighting, everything's actually quite serene <laughs> in them. And it's like day, mm, daylight the and sounds. pretty and the birds are out and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The villagers yeah. are making weird sounds. <laughs> but yeah. Until you, you type Big Daddy into the chat and you get a uh, bazooka dude in the, <laughs> in a, in the BMW. BMW. That's right. Or E equals MC squared. Gen Z Maybe don't like, know what we're talking about. <laughs> how, how do you turn this on? Yeah. Maybe something like Granny's Garden or something. Oh, DOS games. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be DOS ones. Granny's Garden was so uh, good. Maniac Mansion. Maniac Mm -hmm. Mansion's another one. Lost me on that one. Maniac Mansion. I've heard of it. um, That's like one of the first points. I played the old Hugo horror games. Yeah. Point. uh, Not point. Point and click and like text based sort of things. Yeah, they're kind of Granny's yeah. Garden, so. Yeah. Pong, why isn't Pong in that? Pong. Or Tennis uh, for Two. <laughs> yeah, Tennis for Two. You know what game comes to mind is Commander uh, Keen. Not not because the game itself is influential, but that, that sort of uh, id software <laughs> who then, you know, made yeah. Yeah. Doom. Doom should be in there. Well, yeah. Doom should definitely That's be That's a good there. point. There wasn't Doom or Quake on that list, right? No, I don't think so. They're massive. That, yeah. Definitely one of them Ma- should be on there, right? Uh, even before that was yeah. Wolfenstein. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Wolfenstein as well. <laughs> but Maybe Doom they was just like catapulted that into, you know, mm. mainstream. Yeah. Oh, the music in Command King, Commander Keen was so good. I reckon um, Halo could possibly be up there as well. Definitely. Because, um, I was watching Golden a Eye. video essay the other day about it where it's kind of saying, you know, it obviously didn't start the FPS genre, but it was one of the first that took storytelling very seriously in it. Mm. Yeah. The other thing was it, it made um, FPS like playable on yeah, consoles. Yeah, and it started, uh, well, it didn't start the multiplayer scene, but I guess. It, Quite huge yeah. at land and all that. Kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, maybe uh, I feel like that's a good um, community question. Poll. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah An- another one I'd want to throw in there is sec- Second Life as well. I think for social yeah, second online second life. Yeah. And everything that's come from that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. cool. Looking forward to seeing the. Uh, Extra games added to that so, list. Submit your game for the Hall of Fame in this link. No, not really. We don't have that. The Bulls. Yeah, Hall let's of do fame. our own Hall of Game. <laughs> oh yeah, man, we that should do that. Awesome. Hall of Game. Yeah, Bullions Hall of Games. That's yeah. We could li- we could literally call it Hall of Games. Ah, <laughs> uh, Bullions Hall of Games. That's, that's so good. Hall uh, Hall of Games. It, it's, it doesn't even have to a, be yeah. good. It's just a Hall of. It's game. a Hall. Everything we has built, to yeah. be Hall. So like. <laughs> We have a th- we have the theme song, but it's that Hall of the Mountain King, but it's like Hall of the Mountain Game. <laughs> do, 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 do the games, do the games. <laughs> and John's got like these. What if it was Hall? Don't make me do it. <laughs> what if it was Hall? What if it was H A U L 
Hall of Games. Hall of <laughs> Games. Oh, wow. You know, I, I was just thinking of that because, you know, everyone says, you know, Hall of Fame, but they're never actually set in like an actual yeah. hallway or anything. Yeah. Or is it? Or is a yeah. hall as in like yeah. the big room? I'm, I'm very confused. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> it's actually named after Hall and Oates. <laughs> <laughs> trying to reach their level of greatness where's Oates in that uh, he never comes up got rid of him oh, yeah. he wasn't oh, in the Hall of Fame it's like, like Guzman and Gomez Oates. no one says Guzman <laughs> <laughs> yeah all the best Oates there's always got to be one Simon and Garfunkel Guzman and Gomez the Hall of Oates someone's got to be forgotten <laughs> sorry they made their money they're doing okay <laughs> that's the main yeah. thing all right, we should move on from that very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Susie, yeah. tell us about Game Workers Australia. Oh, Game Workers Australia, the um, the union that Alex was talking to us about previously, um, are actually going to hold events all across the country, and they're holding one here in Adelaide, um, a networking event. Uh, so this is that Games Workers Australia has recently become part of the Professionals Australia family to bring the Australian games industry their first national trade union. And we're invited to come and meet your local union reps and organisers in South Australia. Uh, so this is, you don't need to be a union member to attend. So you're welcome to come along if you want to ask questions or catch up with devs. They'll be streaming the presentation part of the event on their YouTube channel. And they'll also take questions from the chat. Uh, but if you do want to go, it's on August the 4th from 6 p.m. at the Gilbert Street Hotel. Uh, it says there'll yeah. be an introduction and a presentation from the co-convener uh, and Q&A and then some mingling, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty cool that they're doing events across the country, I think, and pretty cool that we're going to have, they're going to have reps all across every state like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be real good, good introduction to go out to that to people. Yeah, mm. that's right. Yeah, and what like, and I guess the the benefits and everything for people who work in the games industry. That'd mm. be awesome. Yeah, and just finding out like what's involved because like I still don't really know like <laughs> union yeah. side that well. Same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can all find out now. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm very uh, pro this definitely. Um, like yeah, because I'm I'm the same. I always wonder like yeah, what's do? I always think of the the thing of, um, I know it has nothing to do with games, but when I think of union, I think of uh, my mom working in pharmacy, uh, behind the counter and like twelve hours and not ha like just standing on tiles. Um, and she said, I was like, why can't you have a foam mat? And she said, because there's no union in pharmacy. Um, and that was something that was brought into supermarkets. And, and knowing how much I know that's like a, you know, sorry, has nothing to do with anything, but that makes me go, okay, like that's the power of it. Like it's these like little changes that just peace of life, ease of life, um, little changes. Peace of mind? Peace of mind. Yeah, that's I don't what know. you trying to say? Peace of, I peace don't know. of phone. I don't know. Peace of <laughs> <laughs> You know what, John, edit that out. Edit that out. That whole nah, thing man, fell you, apart. You built Please up edit to my punchline there. I'm not editing that out. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Sure. Nah. <laughs> Nah. Was it you going? I'm Edit all of it out. Union man. Let's do that. <laughs> hey, is uh, <laughs> farmers union a union? Farmers <laughs> union. Yeah, it yeah. would be right. They make good iced coffee. Are they still around? <laughs> of course, of course. Farmers. 
few. Yeah, and everyone had those shirts. I don't give a few. (laughs) 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 Are they still around? Mm. I legit don't know. I I remember. (laughs) I'm sorry, GWA. We're going on a tangent. I remember uh, back at primary school, we went on a a trip to some like farmland where, you know, you stay there for a week because that's primary school kind of trips and stuff. Um, and uh, one of the guys there, one of the uh, like teachers that were hired by this camp, his claim to fame was that his grandfather was the guy that invented Farmers Union Ice Coffee. And to this day, I have no idea what that guy's name was well, or what he actually did there. But I remember that. <laughs> that, guy caused, that guy caused a lot of tummy aches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That story sounds <laughs> like that story Alex tells about that guy that was like a prince or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. I, I was a king oh, and also I invented yeah. ice coffee. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't even as like my grandfather invented ice coffee. Maybe that's like a pickup line for him. I don't know. <laughs> it's not even like yeah. my dad. It's good. He, he's made it like separated from himself enough that it's believable. <laughs> So you can't like look it up. <laughs> yeah, you can't. But I'm gonna tell everyone my granddad's the succulent Chinese meal guy. And see if anyone calls me. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Is he really? <laughs> no, nah, that's my granddad. Yeah. <laughs> but aren't you British? Like, no, nah, nah, actually. Nah. Oh yeah. Totally. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, I'm already this getting the one, Wait, Susie just <laughs> found out that. that he was Welsh as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the thing, right? Like. All these things. Uh, that's the, this is the biggest controversy uh. we've had on tonight's episode. <laughs> is the Chinese oh real guy Welsh? We'll never know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that would be awesome for to people to come out and go there. I'm going to try and make it there. Mm. And if you can't, there's the uh, live stream on the YouTube channel. Oh, that's mm. good to know. So, yes. Awesome. Mm. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, we have our poll. What was our poll again um, for uh, people just tuning in now <laughs> for some reason? <laughs> uh, if you're just tuning in the at the hour 27 mark, or maybe it's the hour 22 mark, depending on how much John's edited <laughs> out. Um, it's a 15-minute episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're joining us at the 14-minute mark... Um, the poll was, uh, what games would you like to see added into the World Video Game Hall of Fame? The, the one at the strong. And number what one, games should get the added one in. at the strong. And number two, the Hall of Game at the Live Bullions, Cafe Bullions Cafe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have a little pixel art. We, uh, we do. We games. have room in the corner for some arcade cabinets or consoles of your choice if you want your game to be playable for our patrons. <laughs> Cool. All right. Cue us out, John. Okay. Uh, we're doing the Hall of the Mountain King. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I think that composer's long dead, so we should be That's all right for, compos- uh, for copyright. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. See you guys.
Café Bullions is hosted in Adelaide, South Australia. If you know of anything happening or would like to reach out to us or have a chat, you can find us on Twitter at LiveBullions or by emailing us at hello at LiveBullions.com.